We were born ready for this, the RPG Backtrack, episode, I never remember what fucking episode we are, eight? Are we eight now? Eight. Gotta go check the stupid archives to find that out. That works. Here. Is this serious yeah. the intro? Yes, <laughs> this is the intro. We're, we're, we're good now. Give me the intro, it's fine. Yeah, I'm, I'm tired of being normal. This was the yeah. intro you had planned, was us talking this about is what the... number I could do. Yeah, this is the intro where I can't hey, count this eight. Intro. Set this apart from everybody else. It is a. The intro where we're not sure what episode. Yeah. So welcome to episode eight of the RPG Backtrack, and it's going to be fantastic because we're all here tonight and just having fun and relaxed and enjoying this Friday evening. And we're going to go around the panel real quick, just kind of hurry things up so we don't drag this intro along too much longer, and. I haven't told you all the question. I'm going to give you about a minute, then I'm going to rudely interrupt you and tell you to shut up. So, uh, Seventh Circle, Glenn Wilson, he's with us again. Maybe not ever again. I don't know. I'm going to drag. I'm going to drag him back here, whether he wants to be or not. So, I'm here for the last time, for the best time. Yeah, RPG music. What's your thoughts? Uh, it's nice. It plays in the background when I play games. Yeah. What do you like- think about it though? Do you like it? Do you like listen to it in your car? Oh, no, 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 no. It has to be really good for me to listen to it on the side. Uh, I'll listen to, if I have a Final Fantasy IV soundtrack, a Final Fantasy VI soundtrack, Persona 3 soundtrack, and some Ogre Battle music, and that's that's pretty much it. Like, I got Dark Spire in the mail, I put the CD in, made it to about three tracks in, and was like, this is terrible, and then uh, took the CD (laughs) out. But that was Atlas's big selling point, is the soundtrack. It was going to be with it. And it was, Don't you know, tell Atlas, but I buy their games whether or not they come with crappy CDs for soundtracks. <laughs> but like, okay. even Idra Union, which I like the music in Idra Union, I couldn't listen to the no. soundtrack for that. It was, yeah, it was I not for me. I, I don't blame you. That's enough from Seventh Circle. Uh, Mike, Minky, what do you think about video game music? Are you a fan? Yes, do you sit I and am. listen to it? Does it put you to sleep at night? Not usually, although I did listen to music from games a long, long time ago and I had trouble sleeping at night, but most of the time now I just listen to it when I... Uh, actually, I don't have any single time I listen to it. Usually when I'm bored of hearing actual vocals and I want to hear something that reminds me of something else. That there made no go. sense whatsoever. I'm sorry. Oh, that's great. Uh-oh. I'm echoing, maybe. I don't know. Jonathan Self. Talk to me nice. Tell me what you think about video game music. You don't like music at all, do you? No, I hate it completely. Hater? No, no, it's, it's, it's good. I, I never listened to it outside of the games. I mean, it was kind of designed in mind of playing the game. So, I, I'd rather experience with the game. And I'm cheap, and the CDs are expensive, so. Yeah, that's What about true. free ones that come with games? Are those expensive? I never pre-order things. And I'm usually too lazy to even care about the soundtracks that come with them, so. Even the bonuses. Oh. Wrong! That was the wrong yeah. answer. Um, the, the right answer is video game music is awesome, and you should all be listening to it over and over and over. You know, There's an emptiness in your soul, and it can only be filled with video game soundtracks, Mac. Yes, it is. No, video game music, is, video game music and RPG backtrack. I've got a fever, and the only cure is more video game music. <laughs> <laughs> with cowbell <laughs> with free cowbell and I sit here rolling my d20 and I just rolled two 20s in a row how awesome am I <laughs> two 20s in a row if I had a uh, webcam on right now I would show you 
but all right. So, yeah, we're here today. We're actually going to be talking about two games that all of us actually have played, which I think is almost kind of a first for the RPG backtrack. I don't know. No, I think no, we played, uh, Super Mario, Super Mario RPG. RPG. We yep. We had all played that one. And... Okay, so this one counts. We're doing Final Fantasy IV and Final Fantasy VI. We're continuing the series. Uh, this is going to kind of finish up the planned series of the Final Fantasy you know, the initial six that I was going to talk about. You know, we've done one and two, three and five, and now we're doing four and six. For those of you that don't know and are, you know, probably not listening to this if you don't, it's not Final Fantasy, you know, two and three, like it's labeled on the Super Nintendo here in America. So that's one of my biggest pet peeves. I hate when people call it Final Fantasy two, even though, you know, the case still says Final Fantasy two and Final Fantasy three on it here. That's not what they are. We're super nerds. It's fine. Yeah. I'm a big super nerd in that. So we're trying a little bit different format. Instead of, you know, going one game at a time, we're going to kind of tackle these both together in kind of a, you know, confrontational format. Because I know that all of us seem to have very strong opinions on these games, and which is is better. They is amazing, and all people should plays them. All people should plays them. I just got a 15 this time, so I didn't roll a 20. I need to put this thing down. Um, But, yeah, they're both great games. I mean... Not so much looking back and saying, oh, man, these are, you know, super awesome to today's standards, but they're both very influential games, and they both hit before the Final Fantasy VII modern era craze that everybody's in now. So we're going to start off with the comparison of, oh, excuse me, the storyline. You know, it's one of the key aspects to both of them, and one I'm sure that all of us have a a big, strong opinion on. So, any of y'all feel more comfortable? uh, Glenn, do you feel comfortable enough explaining to us the story of Final Fantasy IV? I know how much you love it and how... uh, (laughs) I I know how I expect this description. Yeah, you're doing this so that I go out in a giant ball of fail and flames on my last (laughs) night. I'm totally sick. So, yeah, as you know... From when I reviewed Final Fantasy IV DS that I thought the story didn't age well at all. I think the story is a total mess. It works for about the first few hours, and then it's like they just gave up on it. The ending drags. They have the most nonsensical... Like, even within the game world, you can have ridiculous things happen in a game. I'm okay with that. But if you create a world where those ridiculous things make sense, I'm fine. But the problem with Final Fantasy IV was even within the structure of the world, they made stuff that made absolutely no sense. I mean, there's the scene with Sid blowing himself up, that they kind of retconned to make it like, oh, he didn't strap a bomb to his chest and blow it up. He spiked it above him, below him, or he threw it above him, and then it blew up. And all he did was fall several miles into a hard, rocky surface surrounded by lava and live. You know, <laughs> they, they fixed it that way. And like Spoilers! The, the fact that the Tower of Zot is, like, nowhere to be found on the map. Like, as a kid, I always assumed it was levitating in the sky. But if That drove Gold me nuts, too. If Golbez has I-can-make-towers-levitate-in-the-sky technology, you'd think he'd have been, you know, he wouldn't have needed the Castle of Baron. You know, he could have done stuff on his own with his levitating tower of doom. Like, could have you know, okay. around. Could I'll, I'll interrupt on? you there. That, that is a really good point. The Tower of Zot in Final Fantasy IV, you know, if he did have that kind of power, why'd he ever leave? You know, he'd just go get the crystals, come up there. Why do you even need to taunt them? You know, there's no point. You've got the awesome tower that nobody can find because it's, you know, apparently orbiting the Earth. When you have yeah. a spell called life that takes dead people 
and it brings them to life, then you shouldn't have a major part of the storyline be people dying permanently. Like, there should be no permadeath. If there's a final battle and people die in the final battle, like, right before you're... I mean, how spoilery do I get to be on that story? Can I just say the ending? All right, here we go. <clears throat> Hold on one second. Disclaimer right now, if you've not played either of these two games... Don't listen, because we're spoiling every bit of it right here. Story just, is just terrible. know ahead. So at the end of Final Fantasy IV, when Golbez and um, Fusoya die, just cast life on both of them. Bam! Seven people fighting Zeromus. You don't just... Like, what they do? Did they decay really fast when they die certain ways? When yes. they just die. Did he just suddenly die so... Did it rip his body into pieces and the spell life can only <laughs> fix people bored in certain ways? Well, they didn't die. None of them died. Everybody got knocked the crap out. I mean, you know. Tella dies. Tella dies forever. Well, he was the only one, though, because he... He goes all Sir Alec Guinness Jedi by appearing as a ghost at the end. What what was that, Jimmy Sin? Because he he wanted to die, and he actually made himself die when everyone else apparently wanted to live, I guess. No, I'm pretty sure... I'm pretty sure all of them wanted to die. Couldn't Tella have just cast life on his daughter when she died in front of him instead of, like, going all nuts? He'd just be like, bam, life. Now you're back alive again. People would never die in that world. That's but if true. That's life on her, then we never would have got to hear the Spoonie Bard line. He could have, like, beat the hell out of the Bard and then brought his daughter back to life and be like, yeah, and I just killed your fiancé. Now we're going to do? You're going to come home with me. Problem solved. Yeah, Bard's dead. I can cast fire. You know, he's like, toast. I could bring the Bard back to life, but instead, I'm going to throw maggots on him and heat him up so he decomposes faster. Well, that's one thing about Final Fantasy IV is the whole everybody's dying, everybody's wanting to be a martyr. I saw a great comic on it one time that it showed the the place in the Tower of Babel when Yang has to stop the bombs from exploding, and yeah. they're all like. Oh, I'm going to do this, Cecil. I'm going in, and I'm going to stop this bomb. And they're like, dude, we can just, you know, kind of lock the door, and we can shut them out, and, you know, we just kill these guys. We don't have to do this. Nope, nope, I must go in there and die. It's my it's my duty. <laughs> they're like, dude, you don't have to die. <laughs> it was a pretty good comic, though. So it was, it was okay at the time. So if you're talking about in 1992 or whatever, having that many having martyrs in the game, having you get attached to people. I mean, the only game that comes to mind right now that did something similar was Digital Devil Saga 2. Took people that you cared about and kind of killed them off over the course of the game. Although, I mean, that was that was a Don't world ruin game. that one for me. I'm getting ready to play that one. So. I'm not going to go into detail. But, like, okay. that was the only other game I can think of. It reminded me of Final Fantasy IV, although it did it in a better way. So I get what they were going for. They wanted you to care about characters, and then they wanted them to, you know, be martyrs and sacrifice themselves for this noble cause but they could yeah. have done it in a way that made some amount of sense. Or, like, it wasn't a, didn't have to be such a choice, and it didn't have to be so easy to bring people back to life. I like it more in, uh, in other video games where they just act like, you know, after you get shot a hundred times by a monster, you just pass out, and you're not really bringing people back to life. You're just reviving them, you know, waking them. Yeah, you're, you bust out the smelling salts, you know, and then they're good to you're go. You're KO'd. All right, Jonathan, I know, uh, what would you think, about the whole death situation. What's your thoughts on the story and how things play out in Final Fantasy IV? Uh, I don't know. It's not definitely... The story of Final Fantasy IV is anywhere near as coherent as Final Fantasy VI, but I'm a blatant Final Fantasy VI fanboy, so... Uh, understandable. I mean, yeah, and there's, there's some years difference, and obviously, you know, over time, they're probably going to be able to craft a better story, but I mean, 
I think it was just, uh, I could consider that, at least from a narrative standpoint, Final Fantasy IV was basically just a stepping stone into what Final Fantasy VI eventually turned into. And I can agree with that. I think the one thing that really stood out for me in Final Fantasy IV was the characters, and it wasn't so much the story and the way everything played out and all of that stuff. It was just the way that this was one of the first times you were playing an RPG that they actually had well-defined characters. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, not saying that they're great or that they had the best, you know, backstory in the world, but compared to just, you know, the create-your-own-character stuff. And, you know, we didn't see Final Fantasy two over here when they first tried that, when Square Enix first tried that in Japan. But, you know, you had the Dark Knight and his buddy, the Dragoon, you know, the backstabbing SOB that's going to take every opportunity he can to kill, you know, any trust that you have of him. I mean, so, you know, you're talking you can, about characters too when you want when we're talking about the story. Well, we can talk about the characterizations of them. I mean, you know, we can kind of we can kind of go into both right now. I like the characters in Final Fantasy IV. Uh, I think that's one thing they made better and better with future translations in English was they made they made certain moments of the story mean more, and the people became as humans a lot more believable, even though their actions didn't always make sense to me. But like as people, especially in the DS translation, they make more and more and more sense. I I, I love the characters in Final Fantasy Four. I bought a complete mm-hmm. set of like little mini figures from the Final Fantasy Four characters. Like I, I oh, love sweet. that. It's just, just trading art ones. I don't like the story that they're pulled into in the game is what disappoints yeah. me now. And th- that was definitely one of my biggest complaints with the remake was that they didn't you know, they didn't make any effort to make it you know, any more coherent or to change things up. And I know that's probably not what they were aiming for and not what they were wanting to do. They were wanting to try to be faithful to it and just kind of add a little bit more, you know. That's right. That's, that's why I wrote in the review that and you, you mentioned whenever uh, you knew I was going to say negative things about the story is that they made the translation, they made the characters more personable and believable, but they kept the story the same and it just clashed and made no sense. I mean, they could have just rewritten small pieces of the story the same way they rewrote characters and their personalities and being more blatant about the love triangle with Kane and Rosa and whatnot. You know, they, they made the characters mean a lot more to you. And then they're still leaping off shits and blowing themselves off and leaping off boats into fight giant dragons in the water. I mean, they're still doing these kind of weird things. It broke my heart. What do you think they could have done? Uh, what about you, Mike? Do you think there's anything they could have done to the story to make it a little more coherent, to make it a little more believable and understandable and, you know, or is it just, you know, just designated to be that campy story that, you know, we all loved as a kid? Well, as it stands, as it stands now, it's kind of disjointed. They fit, they find all the crystals on the top of the world and then suddenly, hey, there's more crystals underground. Well, let's go underground. we got to find some more crystals. And then they yeah, find Nobody the even knew those exist. But the game's not over. All the crystals. All eight crystals have been found, but we've got to go do something else. Let's go to the moon! We've never heard about the moon before. Let's go there now! Yeah, it's pretty much like Final Fantasy, the travel agency episode, because, I mean, nowhere else do you go up, you know, you're on the overworld, you go to the underworld, you go to the moon. Where else can they go? So Was this Final Fantasy IV the first game that really went into other worlds that much? I guess Final Fantasy III sort of did. Mm. Uh, no, because I remember at the time as a kid thinking it was really cool that like oh the underground oh it's so awesome like oh the moon yay it just it seems yeah. more now, now, you know, it seems later nowadays that, has it has the DS version changed anything to make it less like the game takes place on 
Earth, because they mentioned the asteroid belt and it being the blue planet, and it made me think, wait, are they trying to make this stand in for Earth instead of just being a generic fantasy world? I don't remember. No, they didn't, they didn't add anything to make it like it was Earth, if that's what mm-hmm. you mean. I mean, there's still, the way the ending plays out, it kind of implies it could be Earth a really long time ago, but they don't really delve into that, no. They didn't add yep. that in the translation, in the retranslation. <laughs> yep. That just, that just strikes me as one of the few games where they it, make it they, look like yeah. it could be Earth and never really do anything with it. Yeah, the Super Nintendo version really did kind of allude to that indirectly. It wasn't like they were really saying, hey, this is Earth. But, you know, no, but when maybe they, they did. They might have was... actually said that. <laughs> An asteroid belt that was formed from the ruins of a planet, as I recall. Yeah. And, I don't know. I'm, I'm with Glenn on this because I really love the characters, and that's what really stands out for me and has kind of shaped my RPG taste from there because this was the game that really brought me into RPGs. I had played some others before it, but this is the one that really, you know, I got in there and I, was, I wasn't I was sucked in because of the story. And I think a lot of times when you ask people why they play RPGs and they say, the story, you know, it's not that they're expecting a great narrative. It's not that they're expecting something totally original or without cliches. It's that you get characters in there that you enjoy, you know, their dialogue. You enjoy, you know, listening to them or hearing, you know, what they're saying with other people, how they interact with others. You know, just the little personality quirks. You can identify and kind of like the characters, even though the story in most JRPGs are just, you know, an utter mess in a lot of them. But, you know, that's that's really what shaped my likes and, you know, why I still enjoy, you know, new RPGs like Lost Odyssey. I absolutely loved it. It was traditional as all get out. But the characters really pulled me in because you kind of got to know them and kind of got to like them. It wasn't that the story was so grand, but, you know, you don't expect that. I don't expect that from JRPGs. I don't expect to go in and get, you know, some great novella or something that could be like a movie. I just like the characters and enjoy that kind of that aspect of it. So, so. would you think about maybe the last third, last fourth of the game where there kind of is no plot? From about the, the last time Kane kind of betrays you at the sealed cave, from that point to the end of the game, there's a lot of game time, but not a lot of talking, not a lot of happening. Yeah, they don't have near as much interaction there, that's for sure. But I thought that was really just kind of the drive towards the end. And I didn't really have... I didn't think it was that long. It's not like this is a really long game anyways. So from that point on, it didn't seem like it really drug or was bad. But well, you get the big you get the big reveals there. They're like, well, you get like three optional dungeons. You have to go to the moon, which is kind of a lengthy, boring dungeon. And then you go back to the giant, which finally has a plot scene at the end. And you go back to the moon for the longest dungeon in the game with another plot scene. So you have like potentially six or seven dungeons in there with only kind of two scenes or anything happens and anyone talks. But I've be- always thought that part of the game drag. Yeah, I can understand that. And there's other parts that kind of drug for me, too. What do you think, Jonathan? Do you have any... What's your kind of thought on the characters versus the story? And, you know, what I was saying there about, you know, I guess the plot dragging in some aspects. Uh, as far as a lot of the story goes, I don't really remember. I, I the uh, Probably when the game came out was when I rented it. And uh, I never beat it to its end. I got probably maybe about two-thirds of the way through. So I, I didn't get to see the characters in their full development or anything like that. 
but my memories of it weren't of... I mean, you know, when we think about it, it's, it's it, from our standpoint, you know, the only Final Fantasy game or even much RPGs up to the point that we had received was the ones on NES. It's not like we had, like, a huge back catalog of, of things developing up to that point. So it was awesome for the time because it was a huge step forward, but it's not like it was, a you know, revolutionizing everything. It was just basically an evolution of everything. In a lot of ways, the, the steps they took, I mean, you know, I... What I'm trying to say is that, you know, I didn't think it definitely was perfect. A lot of the interaction between a lot of things definitely are, seemed disjointed, and it didn't seem to flow quite as well as the later installments of the games were. But, you know, at the time it was great just because, you know, we didn't know too much better. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's the biggest thing, is if you were playing it on the Super Nintendo for the first time, you didn't have anything else better to compare against as yeah, far as right. narrative goes. I mean, maybe in Japan, this but... This was the first RPG I played. So there mm-hmm. really was nothing else I compared it to. Yeah. Well, you weren't missing much it's... by playing some of the really old NES ones, so. <laughs> yeah. I eventually and... played Final Fantasy 1 on the NES, yeah. but it was after I had a Super Nintendo and had this. Yeah, and just in terms of story, this one really is the the one that stands out in my mind is the first one that hit that was big enough to really have an impact as far as the story goes. So yeah. that's why I like Final Fantasy IV. And, you know, I thought Kane was a really cool character. Like, I like the design. I like the whole Dragoon. I like the armor, you know. He sounds really... like Darth Vader in the DS version. <laughs> I love that. I absolutely love the voice acting I thought he was going to be like, tell one. Cecil, like, Cecil, I am your brother. No! <laughs> no. no, that's Gomez. No. Oh, wait. Your brother's on... Your brother's the guy I'm brainwashed by. But, um, yeah, I mean... And that's one thing about the initial version, too. I didn't really... I guess it came from being, you know, 10 years old at the time, or 11, or however old I was when it came out. But I didn't really pay that much attention. They never really clarified about Kane. So I was like, Kane? Hmm, okay. Um, looks like yeah, he kind made, of got he made no hair. sense. Well, I thought Kane was a girl to start with, and I, I, re- I, I renamed all. I, I think I've told this story before, but I remember renaming all of the characters after people I knew, and I named I named Kane like Debbie. <laughs> so, <laughs> it kind of gave a whole weird impact as far as you know the whole betrayal and the Rosa it's a very thing and love triangle when Kane's a woman instead of a man. <laughs> yeah, it makes it a lot more interesting though, if you think about it. That way. And that's Rosa. You will never be with Cecil. That makes no, a no. progressive game actually. You know, I very... think at that time yeah, that's true. <laughs> Not what you'd this... expect in nineteen ninety one. This might be what it was. I think I remember seeing, you know, like the Amano artwork at the time. I was 11 years old, and you see his artwork of Kane, and you've got the long hair in the back. I was like, oh, a cool, it's a female dragoon. You know, I didn't know any better. And I just thought the fact that he was left-handed, I was like, well, maybe that means he's a girl. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Mac. See, that was where I liked came from the start. Was I looked that up, and I was like, cool, a left-handed person in a video game. I'm left-handed. But now apparently all lefties are girls. So, yeah. <laughs> is that uh, is Final Fantasy IV the only game that's ever done that? Given people like, you know, no other games after right-handedness. What other games have done that? Didn't Final Fantasy VI? 
No? Wait, did, didn't they redo the uh, Wii version of Twilight Princess because Link is left-handed? Yeah, Link's yeah. consistently left-handed. Except, yeah, well, they... except for no, yeah, but what I they know did Zelda is they RPG. They did that because people that were going to be playing Zelda, they figured everybody was right-handed, so they were going to do that, and they flipped well, the world over. That's all gamers completely. are men, and all men are right-handed, and all girls are left-handed. That's you know, that's apparently my assumption now. <laughs> you named him so. Debbie. Did you even give him an all-girl <laughs> name? He sounds like a waitress at the diner. <laughs> it was my mom's name. I just, I just it was, was your mom a waitress at a diner? No. <laughs> But still, you know, that's kind of fun. Um, what was I going to say? I was going to say something else about that. My memory sucks. But, uh, yeah, I, I thought it was fun. I remember the... I, I played this game so much, I, I memorized the fact it was Kane and uh, Porum, I believe, were both left-handed. So I think it was the fact, you know, the female twin, she was left-handed. If I'm remembering correctly, it could have been... Palum, for all I remember, but maybe that's what tied it together. One of the twins was left-handed. I remember that much. So I was like, oh, that reinforces it. Kane's a girl. <laughs> but all right. Uh, no, Rosa was right-handed. Cecil was, or Cecil. Cecil, yeah. That's yeah, what they... I think it's said Cecil. I always pronounced it Cecil when I was a kid, and then when I got older, I realized it was pronounced Cecil. I still slip sometimes. I yeah. pronounce it Cecil, too. Called... Mm. I always called him Cecil, too, and then I was like, the only person that I've ever heard of with that name is Cecil Fielder, and, you know, Cecil Fielder's not Cecil Fielder, so. Yeah. Yeah, all right. All right, enough about the Final Fantasy IV story for now. Um, compare and jump over to the next one that we received in North America, Final Fantasy VI, and... I'm going to let uh, Jonathan tackle this one. Tell us a little bit about Final Fantasy VI's story. Just jump in. What'd you like? What'd you didn't? What didn't you like? Give us, give us some. Um, I really like the. Uh, I mean, like the uh, story. I guess if I, I'm going to assume for the most part that if anybody's listening to this, they either know what the majority of the story is, or they probably don't want to know the details because they might want to play the game. So I'm not going to go yeah, into yeah. some incredible details of it. But, uh, Let's just already, everybody knows. We already yeah. the announcement, Jonathan. This is spoiler country. Yeah, well, spoiler not, country. Not, not so much as spoiler country as I'm just too lazy to explain it all. So, uh, yeah. but, uh, so it's actually what you're saying it. is you're going to do the opposite of spoilers. You're going to talk about the plot, but so vaguely that you'll only understand yes. it if you've played the game. There's this, there's this drama that happens that could or could not kill people. No, not really, but, uh, <laughs> um, something I really liked about Final Fantasy VI was, um, uh, the, uh, whole aspect through midway through the game, the world ends, and that was definitely something that was really interesting for me at the time. I mean, you, it, it takes your world map and ex, ex, expands it to, you know, twice the content, and it's not something that you can openly express. It's almost like breaking the third wall of the time, or the fourth wall. Third wall. Third wall. <laughs> third wall. It was a 2D game. It yes. only had two walls. Had to break the third. Yeah, but yeah, uh, <laughs> but the uh, and I also liked a lot of how uh, a lot of the backstory was um filled in from each character. Each character had a, a fairly interesting storyline, and it helped you give an entire presence of the world because each character was also tied into a town usually. So you got a feeling of how all the towns were placed together, and you know what maybe political interests that happened in all the towns. Well, I mean, uh, you know, half the characters you didn't know where they were from. 
where well, they came from. Uh, they just kind of lived on their own. Well, not, nece- not necessarily. I mean, like, which ones were actually just off in there? I mean, there was some, like, well, you, I mean... You th- eventually found out where they all came from. Yeah. I, I mean, Except, like, like, you know, Go-Go. Yeah, Go-Go you didn't find out from. <laughs> and I mean, like, Mog, hey, obviously... Stevenson. Mog, you, Mog, you just find in a cave. I mean, you know, but... Or Umaro. Umaro, you just find in a cave. Yeah. But a lot of the Go-Go characters... Go-Go secretly you know. Seltzer's wife. Seltzer's wife. Seltzer. Seltzer. Yeah, Seltzer. <laughs> what was her name? Daryl or something? That was Gogo. Yeah. That was the rumor. Hmm. <laughs> There's lots of rumors about Gogo. She crashed Where did her these... airship on the island, and then the eater thing consumed her, and she became Gogo underground, living with monsters. Who starts the these end. rumors? This is like fanfic. Really bad fanfic. Yeah, that's the most asinine thing oh. I've ever heard, but I think <laughs> I've heard fanfic. that one before. Really bad fanfic would be saying Kane is actually a woman, and that's why he kidnaps Rosa. <laughs> Yeah, see, and there could be some nice fan art that goes with it. Perfect. Uh, got the talking to I, Max working on that. If I could have drawn when I was younger, I would have given you some good... Who is Adlai Stevenson? I don't know I have no clue. <laughs> uh, he's the guy the Democrats ran for president against Eisenhower both times. Oh, him. For 40 years, at least. Exactly. That's a really that... reference. <laughs> oh, hey, Jim Mason, you never fail to amuse me. They didn't cover that in my computer engineering classes in college, so that reference missed me. Uh, but apparently he was Go-Go. Now you know. He retired from failed presidential campaigns to be Go-Go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now that we've destroyed your attempts at describing the plot, you want to continue, nice? That's that. That's fine. That's fine. That's all fine. Right. All right. All right, Mike. Uh, just to kind of redeem yourself from the Adlai Stevenson pick. What What are your memories of Final Fantasy VI? Do you you can you compare the two, four and six? Do you have a preference there on the story? Uh, preference wise, it would definitely be six. I'll just go with a quick. I played six, I think, in two thousand one for the first time, oh, wow. and then I loaned it to a friend. Yeah, yeah. I, everybody should know that I got into RPGs a lot later than the rest of you. I loaned uh, it to sorry, a friend. Sorry. He emailed me the following message, which I'm just paraphrasing at the moment. I think this game might control the world in some way. It's that good. It's scary good. Those were pretty much his words. I and, remember that. Oh, and I'm at the time, I would have to more or less agree with him. It's aged very, very well, I think. I mean, for, uh, for a 16-bit bit RPG, it's aged very, very well. Yeah. Story-wise, I think it's interesting that there isn't one main character. It's an ensemble cast. You don't see that very often. Great point. Great point. And there's been, you know, rumors going around that that's what they're trying to do with uh, Final Fantasy XIII is not have, you know, they've kind of got a main face that they're using. But they're Lightning. Try to, yeah. What kind of name is Lightning? Just saying. Reese Lightning. We even thought Six had a main face. I mean, you can you can have a main face and not bend the story around them. Like Final Fantasy Twelve was sort of an ensemble cast. If you know, true, half the characters made no sense in the game. It was just the plot was like, why aren't you just staying at home? Just stay at home. You don't have to go out and do all this crazy stuff. Like there really wasn't much driving it. But I mean, you could take Twelve and tweak it to be a little more like Six, just in terms of characters and plot. And you know that Mm -hmm. that that's a realistic thing they could do with Thirteen. Yeah, and I think it's argued, it's definitely, it's not really hard to argue that Terra was, you know, really the main playable antagonist, or protagonist character. 
in, in Final Fantasy VI. Yeah, and it's it's really yeah. interesting how they 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 establish her as a semi main character, and you kind of think that she is, and then in the second half of the game, you don't get her for a considerable amount of time. I mean, you could go really late in the game, depending on how how uh, you decide to find everybody. Well, I mean, not decide, stumble across is more of the correct She's word. Busy helping teenagers get pregnant. Yeah, in the, in the world <laughs> of the future. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. She's got got to repopulate the world. <laughs> um, yeah, one teenager at a time. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess the fact that Square Enix, you know, tossed her into the Cydia instead of any of the other characters kind of shows, you know, they thought she was even the main character through the whole first half of the game. I mean, she was, of course, no. central throughout the first third mm-hmm. of the game. But I mean, I just I really like the way they handled it in Final Fantasy VI. That <laughs> it was all about Terra at first, and then eventually mm-hmm. you met more people, and it became more about a resistance group. And then, you know, you could pick who you liked for whatever reason yeah. you liked to be the ones fighting. You know, Terra was and since all of them extremely had, important at the beginning and then not so much afterward. And since all of them had pretty fleshed out stories, you kind of created your own story from that. I mean, you know, you didn't feel the necessarily, you know, the need to, uh, you know, oh, I, for the story to play out right in my mind, I have to have these characters in my party. You really didn't feel like right. that. So exactly. for me, as much as I... Uh, Go ahead, Mike. The second half, like, Ellis is the only, is the main character out of them all. Yeah, but I would sense. like to see yeah. someday, as I, you know, as much as people whine about remakes, I would really like to see six get remade and expanded in a similar way where four was, where it expands upon the characters. As much as I love the characters in Final Fantasy four, I love them more in Final Fantasy six. I just really got attached to a lot of the characters in the game. I've probably played Final Fantasy four more than six, and I've certainly played it more recently. But like, I'm kind of waiting for Square to remake the game. And, like, my hope would be that they flesh out the world and the characters even more. Because I just, of, of all the older games I played, I feel like 6 is the one that could have most easily been a novel or a movie. That there was just a lot of potential there that they never really went into and kind of left yeah. it up for you to almost imagine it yourselves. So I, mm-hmm. I like the plot in 6 a lot. I, I can't comment whether it's aged not well or not. It's good to hear that you played it fairly recently and liked it for the first time and liked it, Mike. Because that's something I've always wondered. People complain about the road of ruin, that, you know, it stops being linear. It just kind of tosses you in this world. And it's really one of the last RPGs I've played where it almost seemed to expect you to have a, a walkthrough, to subscribe to Nintendo Power or buy a guide or something. Because some of the things you have to do in the world of ruin to get everyone... I, I don't know, I was a kid when I played it and I had Nintendo Power. I don't think I would find that even today if I played Final Fantasy VI for the first time. And that frustrates yeah. people. I see it as being like a negative on the game. But like, I would uh, like to see a remake where they flesh things out more and maybe provide more hints to where to do things in the road of ruins so people don't complain about that as much. Well, I kind of like well, the that, non-linearity of everything. I mean, you know, it gives like you something to explore. Too, they, they don't really give you many clues. Some of the things eh. you have to do are very specific. You walk to a town, see what's there. Well, like, you have to well, go so to here's my thing. Good. No, no, that's okay. Go ahead. I was say, yeah, um, to unlock... Cyan's top move, you have to, like, take him into Doma and sleep in the bed there. Yeah. Like, that's something I would never have found. Somehow I managed to do that, and I have no idea how. I didn't Even finding a bum rush stuff. is, yeah. like, walk into a tree that's on the map that's nowhere you would ever walk. Now, I think that was that one was fairly easy to find, I thought. Yeah. But the only, know, the some only, of the stuff was vague. The only really obscure things that I knew about was some of the, uh, the Strago... Uh, um, Blue, magic. Blue magic stuff. Some of those are really obscure, and you can only get them from like one boss fight in the entire game. And I mean, yeah. you know, well, or, I don't know, Meg. It's hard to say for me because I played it as a kid, and you know, now I know where everything is. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't know how much patience I would have had. Like, you see Strago walking around like a zombie, 
well, you bring him back just by walking Realm into the area. Well, if I never had Realm in the party. I mean, I might have tried different things just to see what happened. But I mean, I could see myself playing that today and not having the patience. Isn't there, like, oh, uh, the definitely. underground castle that you can only find by going to Vergaro and taking it under the ocean, but it, you can only get it at a point in the game where you'd have absolutely no reason to do that? I mean, I know there are little yeah. hints throughout the game, but the way people complain about it who play it for the first time recently, I sort of feel like those hints must not be that good. <laughs> Yeah. Well, now, here's my, my thing. My problem was that I had, long before I actually played the game, looked into game magazines, which were full of people asking, oh, what, what am I supposed to do here? I don't know. How do I get Shadow back? He, he's dead. What happened to him? And then the writer responds, well, yes, yeah, Shadow probably is dead because you let him die, you scum. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. Here, here's my thing. This is what I think about uh, Final Fantasy VI. Are you all still there? Yep, I'm here. Okay. Word. Some, we're letting it for some reason. Word. I know. It was like my headset just freaked out for a second, so I just want to make sure. Um, I thought the first part of it truly, I mean, was absolutely fantastic. I mean, I can say with no doubt in my mind that the first part of that game was beyond great. I mean, I love the whole linearity to it, and, you know, it just builds up so well. The character development was good. The villain was good. You know, you were going in a place where you were like, man, this is great. This is exactly what I wanted. It's just like 4, except it's, you know, a coherent story. You don't have a focus on a main character. You've got a bunch of diverse characters, and that was what I loved was, you know, not being stuck with one character all the way around. I loved the part where it branched into three places, and you had, you know, three different stories to follow. And, you know, I am one of the people that does complain about the World of Ruin because it turns – a lot more non-linear. And it's not so much the fact that it's non-linear, it's the fact that the first part was so blatantly linear and the second part was so blatantly non-linear. It w- I would have liked, you know, more of a mix. You know, give me a lot more exploration in the front part to be able to do some optional stuff and stuff like that. And then do the same in the second, you know. Give me some truly linear sections, you know. <laughs> I-, I would have just liked like, it to blend. example... For a game that came out around the same time, I think Chrono Trigger did that a lot better. I like Final Fantasy VI more than Chrono Trigger, but Chrono Trigger, you know, it eventually got to where you could kind of explore some on your own. It wasn't like a brick in the face, you know, and yes. it hinted at what to do a lot better. I mean, there were obvious caves on the map that you could go into. And I wish Final Fantasy VI had been a little more organic like that, too. Right. Also, like you said, when it branches into multiple paths, I don't think any video game, any RPG has done that as well since. I just no. I really like the part early in the game where it gives you too many characters and then gives you these different story arcs, you know, where you end up following all of them. And they're just, I mean, that might be one of the best parts of the game for me. I, mean, I just I really yeah. like the scene with, with uh, Saban and Gao and Shadow whenever they branched off. Just all the individual parts for that, of that were so well done. I mean, in, 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 in fear of, of sounding really pretentious, but, you know, that, that disconnect from the second half to the first half of the game really adds to the feeling of hopelessness that you're supposed to get in the second half of the game because, you know... The world's kind of destroyed, you know? I mean, in, in, from an aspect of it, you're not even expected to have all the characters back. You don't even know if they're dead. I mean, you know, that's things we take for, you know, for granted because we know better right now. But, you know, right. at the time, I mean, whenever you, the first time you play through it and you get to the very first part of the second half of the game, that's a really depressing part of the game. It's where you're uh, a Celis and you have to, uh, you know, Sid dies because you try to catch fish for him, and he... Yeah, like you're stuck on a tiny island catching raw, rotten fish and feeding them to your father figure who's been taking care of you while you were unconscious for the last year. Yeah. 
And doesn't isn't there like a suicide scene? I think yeah, it might she, have been trimmed down yeah, for America. Yeah, she nearly uh she tries to commit suicide by like throwing herself off a cliff or something like that. Yeah. If Sid dies, that's what happens. Sid doesn't always have to die. You oh, really? can bring him back to life. Do you yeah. catch you enough fish or something? Yeah, I didn't I know that. I thought you knew everything about Final Fantasy VI. No, I played a lot of Final Fantasy VI. It's hard It's hard <laughs> to let him live, though. I used to do yeah. it when I was a kid, because once I realized you could, I felt bad killing him, but it took a long time. It's easier to just let him die and then, you know, try to kill yourself and fail. But it, it did have a lot of mature aspects of it, and that was one of the good things about it. You know, it dealt with, you know, genocide, uh, you know, True genocide, not just, oh, we just stormed this town and, you know, nobody's left, but everybody's dead. We don't see any of the murder. You know, you actually see the poisoning of the castle, and you see the people falling off the castle, dying, you know, well, from the poison. Well, happy music. And a lot yeah. of towns are completely destroyed. like, a artistic perspective as a kid, that it played, mm-hmm. like, the clown music while you're watching all these people fall and die and stuff and like that. And his laugh, which is... <laughs> Yeah. It was borderline Kefka, borderline Yorkie, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> good, good try, though. Held his dog in front of the mic. Tickled him. Oh, my dog would be much more annoying than that, yeah. But, that, and that's the other thing. And I really did like the characters in there and the way they handled it. And, you know, that was my complaint about the non-linearity at the end and it just not really being a good mesh. But they didn't really do anything at the end, either. There was no... That the second half of the game in the world of Ruin, it was a great concept. I just don't think it really lived up to its true potential of what it could have been because everybody did live. You know, it's not like oh, so and so died or well, it was you a know, great such concept. Such but the idea was that the villain. Video games have trouble for me. RPGs have trouble for me where there's a bad guy about to do something horrible and you're supposed to go stop him immediately. And then he gives you like side quests and you can go take your time. You know, video games always RPGs always do that. Yeah. The second half really worked because the bad guy won. There was no hurry to yeah. go stop him because he won. He was he got exactly what he wanted, and it gave you time yeah. to explore the world. I mean, it just it made sense, like Nice said too. I mean, it was it was kind of this post-apocalyptic world. Everything was ruined. Everything was depressed. Cities being destroyed. Everyone sad. And it gives you time to kind of soak up what Kefka did and gather your party back before you go and you assault him. And I completely agree with you that it was a great idea. And I. I mean, Kefka is my favorite video game villain. I don't like... I, I guess the whole tormented bad guy thing Japanese RPGs try to do now, where they're all really good at heart and just kind of, you know, slightly Twisted into evil. Yeah. yeah. They have some crazy ideal or something. Yeah. So they end up being nice in the end. Or they're like, you know, just so pure evil that they're not human anymore. Kind of like Sephiroth. I mean, Kefka... I like the way they worked that he was insane. He was just, I think he was yeah. a great, insane villain. And I loved as a kid that... I'm starting to say as a kid a lot again. This is like the secret of Mana backtrack all over again. Don't let me do that. <laughs> <It's anymore>. gonna... <laughs> People are out there having drinking games listening to this. Like Ren says, as a kid, and every time that Jonathan says, I rented a game, and any time that Mike says, I just played this recently, or any time I say anything at all. People I love loved Super Nintendo version that kind of an Easter egg, you could find why Kefka was insane. Like I, I like that. You could like go to the pub and um or I guess it wasn't a pub because it, it was probably a place that sold water instead of beer. In um crap what was the name of the Empire City? Uh Vector. Thanks. You could go in the pub and talk to people and find out why Kefka was crazy. Like I kinda like that that was kinda hidden in there. Huh? In the in the GBA version? Is that what you were saying? In the Super Which, version. 
Super Nintendo version that you could find out. Okay, I thought you yeah. said in the new in the new version. Oh no 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 no! I was trying to find a different way to say as a kid. Okay. <laughs> so if I say in the Super Nintendo version, you know I'm talking about a long time ago. What? Well, go ahead and tell us why he was insane. Why was Kefka insane? What, he what was made the him first experimental Magitech knight, and they hadn't perfected the process yet. So he gained the ability to learn magic, but he lost his mind, and he was never the same. And he started wearing. Yeah. Wearing, like, clown outfits and acting crazy. Yeah, like, he was supposedly a prodigy before then. And you have to wonder why they still kept him in command when he started wearing clown outfits and makeup. (laughs) I mean, you know, like, you know, like, really? I mean, yeah. He just had to be cooler that way. That's why I want to see this kind of as a movie or even as a novel. I want to see this all expanded. I want to see, I want to see Kefka walking around Vector in full clown outfit. Just, like, kicking civilians. And I... People react to this. Just kicking civilians, incinerating them. It's a them. shame, you know, it, they they did that. It was called The Dark Knight, and Heath Ledger, you know, did great at it. So <laughs> that's how I picture him as, you know, the way Heath Ledger played the Joker in The Dark Knight is that kind of just off-the-wall insanity and just wanting to destroy the world just for the sake of destroying the world. So that's at, exactly how I picture him. As, at at least know, until he becomes a giant angel. With with yeah, creatures yeah. coming out of him and like yeah. in Final Fantasy fashion, yeah. Doesn't I guess he, that's one thing. He said that he had prepared some entertainment for you, but I didn't know it meant turning himself into a science project. Mm-hmm. He, I always thought it was great how in a lot of the uh, early uh, and like in you know you get to his last form and it looks like you know he's some warped Michelangelo painting. You know, mm-hmm. flowing with robes, and somehow he's just there. Yeah. There's like the the sun setting in the background, almost like heaven shining on him. Yeah. I, I liked the whole juxtaposition at the end too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you know, but and that's what I was saying on what Glenn had mentioned about the breaking him off into different sections, not really having a strong main character. Nowadays, most RPGs are like, we'll give you tons of characters, but. They'll just kind of hang out in the background. You can swap them out as you want. I always loved that first part before they give you everybody that you can swap out however you want to. You know, having three different parties going here, meeting new people. The more characters I got, the happier I was. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing I absolutely was just floored by was the fact that not only do you start with these, you know, four or five characters, now they're going off on their own and meeting more characters, so that, you know, that just made me love it even more. And there's even the portion of the game that uh, you split off into three parties, so, you know, you really get the feel of everybody, and everybody, you know, you get a, a you know, a base of how everybody is, and you, you get to try out everybody, and it was a really nice yeah. touch. Okay. Um, I think with this, we'll kind of wrap up the story segment. Uh Favorite character from Final Fantasy IV and Final Fantasy VI, uh, Mike. Uh, sorry, it can be playable. Uh, it can be playable, non-playable. Favorite character from four and six. Uh, six, I'll probably go with. I like Celis. Celis is pretty cool. Okay, you can say um, Kefka too if you need to. You know. I'm, oh, we're going playable. To. Okay. <laughs> Well, right, Kefka's so a, a whole separate level. Yeah. All right, so Celis for six. What about for four? You have a preference there? Um, hold on. Let me, let me go through them real fast. Uh, I'll just say Fusoya right now because he's an old man. You don't see old men very often. Old men are he's cool. A giant ball he's of hair. 
And he's really, okay. really weak in the DS version. Like, yeah, spent Mike... half the game dead while I had him. <laughs> Mike likes the giant ball of hair. All right, Jonathan, your four and six favorite character. I really liked Sid in four. I was a fan of Sid in four because you know he's different in every single game, and I really liked him in, in uh, four. Yeah. Uh, as far as six, um, it's probably Strago. Yeah, Strago. Yeah, Strago's probably have... it's that or yeah. Setzer. I like Strago no, or Setzer. That's a really cool answer. Uh, why yeah, do you like Strago? Strago. Why do you like Strago? Oh, well, let's see. Since I was like you know ten when it came out, I thought he looked cool, and. Mm-hmm. That's probably about it. I mean, you know. <laughs> you like you like the all right, so far we have two votes for old men. You like the old man and Mike likes the old man in four. Alright, so you like Strago. Has great eyebrows. Nobody else has eyebrows like that. That's true. It's like it's yeah, I thought that one of the weakest scenes in the game was the burning house scene in Thamasa, I think it was called. Yep. So I yeah. like because of that, I was never a fan of Strago or Realm. Just I was not I, a fan never... of that whole section. That's the one part of the story that I didn't like was the where you're going into the cave to do all that stuff right up until the awesome part where Kefka's like, "Oh yeah, by the way, <laughs> we've been tricking you." No, I, I, I have there. to. I have to admit that. You know, who my favorite character in Final Fantasy VI was it was Leo? General Leo. Leo. Yeah, I love yeah. General Leo. Yeah. The original heiress. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was the one character I really did want to revive because I was like, man, you get to play as him. I love yeah. playable characters. That is and there my was the weakness. empty slot. There was an extra yeah. slot in, I remember the, looking in up, the character selection. I remember looking so, up, like, like, cheat codes and stuff. I mean, there, I think there was a, a Game Genie code where you could have Kefka in your party. But I, there, I don't think there was one for, for Leo, sadly. So There probably was somewhere. Yeah, somewhere. There. I think there was. But, I mean, Sick was such a glitched game anyway. I think yeah. you could get Leo. With Game Genie, but it would like crash your game right afterward. You nah. could fight him with them for a few battles. Because he had the coolest special ability in the world. And, right. Yeah. Well, Shock, Shock was you know cool, but I don't think it really had the staying power. <laughs> you know, unless they were to expand it a little bit. Which whatever. Yeah. Most of the characters' moves didn't have staying power. Like Realms. I mean, when you use Realms Log was at the pointless. End of the game, were you really dancing every battle? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, when you Cyan, so. were you waiting for? <laughs> <laughs> Should I yeah. podcast Ultima, or should I wait for his uh little, for the little thing to go? <laughs> we can bust out for weak packs. All right, Glenn, favorite from four and six. Six is definitely Kefka. Four has changed over the years, but I'm going to have to go with Sid. I think the la- when I played the DS version, I was thinking that Sid was my favorite character. Cool. But four, I like the Sid. cast a lot. When I, when, uh, as a kid, I liked Kane best. Okay. I liked what about a lot. Yeah. What about other? Just name the whole cast. Go, go for it. Exactly. Okay. No, it's everyone but Cecil. I never really liked Cecil as a character in Final Fantasy IV, and I never liked Yong either. I always thought it would be great to have a game where you're the Dark Knight and you go to become a paladin. You're like, you know what? I don't really want to be good. I'm going to be a, you know, a jerk. <laughs> I kind of like being a jerk. Then it would be a Western RPG gonna... instead of a Japanese RPG. Yeah, true. Um, other than Kefka in six, Sir. who else? Um, you know, because Kefka is too cool to, you know, he's just kind of a default. Because of his who, because of his battle abilities, I always liked Sabin a lot. Yeah, but Bummer. in terms of story, uh, I'd probably say probably Terra was my favorite character. I always liked Terra a lot. I used to use her in my party, even though I thought she was one of the weaker ones, just because I liked her her story a lot. That's cool. You want to think, me name? I'll name all the characters in six again, just yeah, like I did. Just with go her. ahead and name. <laughs> um, There's like eighteen. For Final 
Yeah, for Final Fantasy IV, I was a big fan of Kane. I just, you know, I thought he was cool. I kind of liked the good guy gone bad kind of thing. I didn't think it was, you know, well done there, but I've always been kind of a sucker for the good guy gone bad, gone good, you know, something along those lines. It's like what Mission uh, Impossible movies do with pulling masks off your face. Final Fantasy IV did with mind control. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everybody do it somebody else. Time, okay? Oh, <laughs> oh no, yeah. Third time. Yes, they did. And... For Final Fantasy VI, it's a close race, but I think Shadow would end up being my favorite character. Um, just because of the things you can learn about him kind of behind the scenes and the, you know, the attitude that he has right there at the beginning, you know, with Interceptor talking about the, you know, that dog will eat you, <laughs> you know. I, I isn't isn't that. his intro? He's like, he'll slit his mama's throat for a nickel. Yep. <laughs> Fantastic <laughs> intro. But you learn so much about him secretly. Yeah, like at the was... at the end of the game with Shadow and you know, like I'm not sure with Shadow with um, what's the dog's name? You just said it as Interceptor. Interceptor, Interceptor. Yeah, yeah. It's like you you don't really you know he because he really doesn't talk. Does he talk at all? Mm-hmm. He does. I I don't remember yeah. it. But uh, he's got some lines. But you know, it's not like you know, it's not any overt story that you learn. It's just all through little hinted subsections of things, and that's really interesting. It almost highlights him. Yeah, he was like the rogue, awesome guy that was, you know, he really was the true ninja in this case because he showed up on the, you know, the floating continent out of nowhere, and next thing you know, he's gone. And you know, I, I think the first time I play it, played it, I did leave him behind. I didn't know not to. So the next time that I went through there, I was like, oh man, I, I found out somewhere you could get him again, and then all mm-hmm. the other things you got after that were great. So I just love Shadow. He was awesome. Now, I never learned this while actually playing the game, but while poking around, I learned that apparently Shadow is Realm's father. Yeah, there are dream sequences in the game. I never found them either. Hmm. Same as you, I read it afterward. Yeah, I, I read that they were there and went back and found some of them, and they were just sporadic the way you would get them, because you would have to sleep at an inn with him and your party, and there was like a oh, random chance. Yeah, it was a random chance you would get those. It was like and, it was randomized and also depend on where you were sleeping. But last time I read about it was years ago, and people still weren't sure they found all the sequences. I don't know, maybe they've gotten better at hacking ROMs or something since then and figured it out. <laughs> yeah. But I thought that was, I just like that whole aspect of him, so. It was supposedly hinted at because the Memento Ring can only be equipped by Realm and Shadow. So that mm-hmm. was supposed to be your hint. There was a connection between the two. Hmm. Yeah, and yeah. apparently if you let Shadow die, an Interceptor goes to help Realm out. Yep. But... Enough for the story. Now, let's talk about the other aspect of it. Gameplay. What are your thoughts on Final Fantasy IV's gameplay, Jonathan? Um. <laughs> Not you know, that sounds it was, great. It was fine. Um, it, it was alright. It was, it was Active a... time battle. Yeah, but I mean, it was, you know, mm. nothing, I would say, over overly memorable about it. I wasn't, you know... I thought it was really memorable. Because eh. you start off for the very first time, you're not just taking turns. Eh. You know, you've got a time gauge that will go along. and Maybe I'm just what jaded to it now. Or that wasn't like that. You know what Final Fantasy Woman? No, I don't even remember. It, it's hard I'm to... I'm talking about Mac. Mac no. said that like that was a, like, a big deal to him at the time. I was wondering what you were comparing it to. Comparing it to Final Fantasy 1 and comparing it to, you know, like Dragon Quest, turn-based, everybody... I'm going to select my options and then attack. You know, you kind of 
you knew that certain people would be faster and could do stuff more, and you know, like Edge could always attack quicker than others. And maybe that's where. Yeah. Maybe that's in hindsight, I realized it was a big deal, but it was yeah. the first RPG I played, so this was like the first battle system like this I saw. So yeah, it was it my first. Like it was my first Japanese RPG that I played. I played a lot of Ultima games before that, and that's completely different. So you know, I guess I'd be in yeah. the same would, situation as Glenn. I wasn't sitting there the very first time I played it going, man, this is really innovative. I was just playing it, and I enjoyed that aspect of it looking back on it now. You know, just knowing that it wasn't just fight, 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 and then sit back and wait. You know, if you sat there, you could actually die, because the enemies would keep attacking you. Whatever, Zelda had that too. If you just sat there, <laughs> Zelda, okay. Comparison. Probably in Super Mario Brothers too. If you just stood there at the right place, you could get killed. <laughs> yeah. Large part he stands of around in Super Mario Brothers, the clock runs out, and you still die. That's true. true. <laughs> uh, other than just the you know the battle system <laughs> itself, what about the character development as far as the you know the skills, how they were set up? What are, what are your thoughts on that, Glenn? Uh, for for four. Uh, yeah. You can compare it to see. We should jump into both. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd kind of rather do that. So for four, I... Uh, okay. I, I really don't like them that much. I just... I didn't think they were that big of a deal. Again, looking back and seeing how the job system evolved over all the Final Fantasies. But when the first RPG you played is Final Fantasy four, and then maybe the third or fourth one you played was Final Fantasy six. At the time when I was playing them, I didn't think they were big of a deal. Like even now, when I play with Edge, I don't use any of his abilities. They just kind of seem to be there just for the sake of being there. You know, yeah. usually you're best off if you you use fight and you use magic, and then everything else is just kind of worthless abilities. Like Palom and Porm had the twin cast that was useful, but I mean, for the no most way. part, in Final Fantasy IV, I thought the the side abilities were pretty useless, and that was one of the reasons I also like Kane a lot when I was playing it the first few times through, was I thought his jump ability was about the only worthwhile ability that wasn't fight and wasn't magic. I mean, yeah, all the rest were kind of silly. I guess throw was useful, but... Uh, like no, I didn't use that. And blitz, none of those were useful. And, yeah, well, kick, blitz. Now, hey, you're forgetting, about, you're forgetting about hide. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, hide Edward's off. great character no one ever mentions. <laughs> hide was great. Right, yeah, hiding. Because the, because the harp is the greatest weapon of all. Uh, all right, before I go to Jonathan, really, this is really what good. I really... This this okay. is the thing I thought. Is I like the aspect that the characters were unique. You know, you couldn't just make them carbon copies of each other to where everybody has the same skills and the same magic. I like that aspect of it. I don't think any of their skills were, you know, really diverse, but, you know, you could only have one person that could heal really well. You had a backup healer in, in Cecil, but, you know, Rosa was your healer. I guess and you're just comparing it to later Final Fantasy games, where they kind of give you blank slates, and you make anyone whoever you want it to be, right? Even 6, you know, because they had their own unique right, right. skills. Well, that's what I meant. Later, later Final Fantasies than 4 let you make anyone right. whoever you want them to be. Exactly. Because other RPGs still stick to a fairly linear structure on roles for different characters. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know there's a bit of everything. I'm, I'm not whitewashing it, but... Right. I mean, I, I like that about roles. I'm okay with a linear stru structure on um on character creation, but like to juxtapose four against six, you know, the abilities that the characters had in six. I mean, I mean until you got late game, you know, 
Ultima, Quick, and the Relic that lets you cast four spells, so you just spam Ultima eight times right. in a row. And, or a Genji Glove you know, and Offering or point, something. The side skills characters had, even if they weren't marvelous, were at least interesting. I, mean, I used to play. I always play with Mog a lot, just because I liked I liked the opening Moogle scene, and then I would just use Mog for most of the game. So, but you know, for the first half the game, I would I would use Dance a lot, just because I thought it was crazy and random. I, I just kind of like the idea that there was this little Moogle break dancing during the entire fight, and it was making Earth destroy <laughs> the enemies. I I kind of like that goofy side of it. So so for Final Fantasy VI, I liked the abilities that they had, and then in the second half, it became more about Magicite and you know everyone kind of becoming the same and whatever roles you wanted them to be. But I I think that's the difference between four and six, and that in four, I mean, did you ever select cover for Cecil? Mm, I mean, just, no. you know, they they were worth. I mean, I, I know a large part of it too is that they cut out abilities because they thought Americans would be too stupid to handle them. So you had to wait Darkness. until like the DS, yeah, the DS version to get everyone mm. as they were supposed to be. And Young had some ability that he would build strength, and his next attack would uh do double or triple damage or something. So yeah. part of it was missing because of that, and it was fixed in the DS version. And I, I liked the abilities a lot more in the DS version than in the earlier ones. So, I mean, that would, that would even be a completely different comparison for me. But but overall, I preferred Six's way of doing it, where you had, you know, the goofy little Moogle and his special ability is dancing, and you had, you know, the Machinist <laughs> King who used, you know, crossbows and stuff when he fought. So I, I guess I like the way the abilities worked well into the personality. So it was like it was part of the character, and it was part of the story, and, you know, it was their ability as well. Did you like Edward's ability to magically strap on a chainsaw and hockey mask at any point? Yeah, yeah. That and was pretty cool, like, yeah. It's hidden in the slums is where they hide chainsaws in the world of I hockey. thought he said Edward for a second. I was like, Edward didn't do that. Edward just had a harp and he hid, and I didn't realize you said Edgar. <laughs> I thought you were just making a you know smart aleck comment about how useless <laughs> Edward was. <laughs> I played the harp and I used the chainsaw. Yeah, that's me. That's how I roll. What about the special moves in Final Fantasy VI? The totally random, you know, special attacks they could do that you ever, you very rarely saw them use. Oh do yeah, you like remember those at all? Yeah, like whenever uh, Shadow was low on health, Interceptor would come and help attack. No, no, I don't think that's what he means. No? I think he means like I can't remember what they called them, but when you were low it was on critical health, critical style, yeah. And you would choose fight. They would every now and then bust out these really powerful moves. It was really mm-hmm. random, but had a very low chance of happening. Hmm. Yep. I'd I have remember to see that. one. I don't remember. Um, have I any, just can't remember. Have any like examples? Was it a special animation or something? Or yeah, it was a special mm-hmm. name, special animation, and usually you thought the game glitched and broke because you were like, "I told you to fight, not you know." Some it happens crazy name. so rarely. Actually. One of the last playthroughs I did back in the 90s, I tried to find every character's... Would you say they called a mech? Uh, I think they're desperation attacks. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I tried or to find every character's desperation attack just to see it, and I couldn't. There were some characters... I mean, there's. I would just fight with all four people in low health against easy enemies just to see the desperation attacks. Well, then what and was... it happened so frequently, I never saw everybody's. What was the shadow thing with his dog camp coming to help him when he was low life then? What was that? I hate... That one would happen. I don't remember if that's all of the ones. I'm checking it on the web right now. Um, but yeah, there's... Uh, I didn't use Shadow enough to understand how that worked that well. I just Shadow think was... had uh, Shadow Fang. Uh, I was hoping maybe these were like YouTube links or something. Uh, Terra had like Riot Blade. 
I'm not sure which translation they're going with. Uh, I didn't use Terror very much, though. So. Mm. It's like Sabin had Tiger Break. and Usually if it was someone really card. close to dying and it was their turn, you would heal them. They would either you know use a potion on themselves or cast a healing spell. I, don't know, I think you only saw the desperation attacks if you told them, if you selected fight, which maybe. is not a very intuitive thing to do. So maybe. you probably wouldn't and see it. Maybe I didn't see them very much, because I was always, when I was younger, the type of person who was grind, I would be the person who grinded until twice the level I needed to be and then go to the next area. So maybe I wasn't yeah. very close on death very often. In Final Fantasy, in either of these games, you chances are you weren't really close to dying on either of them that often. <laughs> so. Okay, um, so so I ranted some. Nice. What did you think about the character's abilities in the battle system? Yeah, compare compare the two. I know I asked you about four to start with. What about compared to each other? Oh, well, like I said, it was a long time since I played Final Fantasy IV, but I don't... I mean, nothing really stood out worthwhile. It was memorable. It was nice that there was actually different characters, you know, but that was also, like I said earlier, that was the first Japanese RPG I had played. I didn't play, uh, I think, the only first NES one I had played, I think, was Dragon Warrior. Uh, later on, but, uh, um, you know, that was kind of neat and everything, but, uh, I don't know, because a lot of the special abilities in, um, I didn't feel this way in Final Fantasy IV, but a lot of special abilities in, um, in six help kind of drive the narrative of each character. I felt more attached to that. I mean, you know... High five. High five, yeah. Like, you know, how a Cyan could, you know, he was from the town that I don't remember... That Elma. made sword masters, Elma. yeah, and you know that was his special ability. Or how uh, Sabin, you know, trained with that uh, martial arts master that I also don't remember his name. Duncan. 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 Yeah, and, you know, and it's the little things like that that you know outside outside of just you know, oh, this guy is a bard; he can play music. You know, it added an extra an extra layer. But outside of that, I I really don't you know have any huge significance either way. What do you think about a- the Go ahead. Good, Matt. I, was I, was say, I, I think it was topic, a good so. it was a good mix for six between having a structure to it and letting you customize them. I mean, I I think Final Fantasy or Final Fantasy Seven has my favorite. I, I like the materia system a lot in that. Yeah. But I would say the next step down for six would be something kind of in between, where there were certain set abilities that tied into the personalities and were useful in combat. Then you customized them with magic later too. Oh well, yeah, I mean, and everybody, no matter who they are. Either once you level them high, high enough, would just hit for the max damage, or you would just cast Ultima. You know, so yeah, yeah broke down by the end of the game, but I like yeah. it's definitely a step over four. Like Cecil having white magic, and he doesn't learn anything past Cure Two. Really, that's useful. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, with that, what do you think about the disposable characters they gave you in Final Fantasy VI? You know, like Bannon and. Just the fact that they added characters like that in there that were just kind of toss-aways that you got to play with for a little while, but oh, weren't really... Who was there besides Bannon? Leo. There was Bannon. You got to play as Leo for Yay, a little bit. Yay, uh, Leo. There were, the, there were the ghosts in the, you know, the Phantom Train. Biggs were, and Wedge. Oh, I forgot the, about the ghosts. Biggs and the Wedge Moodles at the beginning of the game. with at the very beginning. Yeah. Can't forget Biggs that. and Wedge. I liked all the, everything you named, I liked. I liked all of it. <laughs> Bannon more so because he actually fit into the plot. Yeah, Playing he as Leo is weird. Just yeah, because, well, you don't play with him very long, so... It was a yeah. tease. Well, they, I guess they wanted you to feel the betrayal. They wanted you to feel like Kefka betrayed Leo, too. You know, not just you guys. I, I, I think they did it so you felt, even if it was only for two minutes, you felt some attachment to Leo, so when he got killed, it meant something. Just mm-hmm. in case, at that point in the game, you still thought of him as a horrible villain because you weren't paying close attention. 
But the ghosts, I would tear through ghosts. I would recruit ghosts, you know, make them possess, kill themselves to possess people, you know, to take off the enemies and then recruit more ghosts. Mm-hmm. I had a I had a friend in middle school who enjoyed the Moogle segment so much he would play the game just through the end of the Moogle segment just for that <laughs> first thirty minutes and then reset it and start over and wow. that was he would just replay the game over and over and over again just to play the Moogle fight that's nuts I yeah, didn't he like crazy. it that much <laughs> and Magitek was armor neat. was really cool I guess that wasn't like yeah. an extra character but you know it basically was an extra character I mean yeah Biggs and Wedge at the beginning and your abilities change when you wear him Biggs. you know. You can shoot missiles and stuff. Yeah. So that was a cool aspect of it. And I definitely think it had more stain power as far as the gameplay goes than Final Fantasy IV did. Because, you you know, it was the perfection where you did have the characters with the unique abilities. And you could still customize them a little bit by giving them magic. It would have just been... I don't want to say nice. I think I tried to play it and enjoy it more by not really, you know, just stacking everybody with all the same magic and making them all... Identical and then well, just I don't using get Ultima, Ultima over I, and over. I, I keep no. the sword. I, I think like you know a couple playthroughs I got the spell, but then I always kept the sword afterwards. Yeah. Like here's a, here's a strange question. In, in six, who was your favorite Esper? And you remember the Espers? Hmm. I do, uh, and I don't remember. I can't really say I had a favorite. Bah. I like that they added new ones to the GBA version. I kind of mm-hmm. like you know having Cactuars and Gilgamesh. I just thought that was. I don't Damn. Know, maybe it wasn't as neat oh, okay. as I thought. I, I never okay, played I the GBA version. Was it? What are the differences Mike? between? Mike, do you have an answer? Do you have a? Well, as far as stat effects that it gives you, Bahamut is pretty cool because it gives you fifty percent extra hit point growth. But I do have a quick story involving Cactar and getting that Esper in the GBA version. Mm-hmm. Um, my first DS Lite, its shoulder button stopped working midway through, and I was trying to play Final Fantasy VI Advance without shoulder buttons. And that made fighting this stupid giant cactar thing an enormous pain in the ass, because the stupid thing keeps using a thousand needles, and it's really, really fast. And if you can't heal multiple people at a time, then you're just in for a really long, long fight. I eventually won. I won only because he ran out of magic points after casting Thousand Needles about 150 times. <laughs> that sounds he like the out least fun video game battle ever. <laughs> yeah, it really does. Um, so I don't remember any of them being super memorable for me. So I like I Golem. Really yeah, which efficient for nice? What was your favorite? I like Golem. Is that the one that increased your stamina at level up? Uh, I don't. I don't. He um, because I remember mostly from their summons. And Golem was the one who stuck his hands out of the ground. He looked like a, like a robot. And also, uh, well, Alexander was pretty cool. Alexander yeah, I've always been neat. a fan of Odin. Mm-hmm. So I guess I'll I'll go with Odin. And Carbuncle. I like I liked Crytalk because I, I liked that it kind of tied back into the opening scene of the game. I've always been a fan of Carbuncle. And also, Crytalk was the. The only one that taught you the all, all the threes, Fire 3, Ice 3, and Thunder 3, or Lightning 3, whatever it was called in that game. Mm-hmm. So I never played the GBA version. What what were big differences between... Because you talked about the Espers being different you in the got, two. Yeah, there were, I believe, four new Espers that they added. Three of them are easy to find. One of them's a, a Leviathan that you find while riding the boat. Um, one is Gilgamesh, who shows up in the Colosseum. And one is that stinking... 
gigantic cactar who shows up in the desert, uh, wherever that desert is, and is a freaking pain in the butt, as I just described. On the little island. I was talking about wishing they would flesh out the story more in a future remake. How was the new translation for Final Fantasy VI? No. There was bad. actually some things that I... It wasn't bad. Um, they didn't really change a lot, but they did kind of... <sighs> the scene when you first find Celeste, you know, being held captive in the cell. Guess, South Figaro. Yeah. Uh, she's yeah. in, you know, she's in the cell. She's... They're in there, and they just, they don't really show her getting beat up. They just show her falling down, so they kind of took that part out of the Censored GBA it version. More? Yeah. Censored it with sprites uh, moving across the screen. I mean, like, really? I mean, really? Yeah, as I remember, the original translation was a Star Wars reference. Hey, aren't you a little short for an Imperial Trooper? But then they changed that in the new translation, for whatever reason. Yeah, so... There were some things that they did remove, and it just kind of seemed weird that they even did that. So, I don't know. I'm trying to think of what else there was, if there was some other stuff. I don't think there was anything really dramatic changed. I think the, you know, the the dialogue was still fairly close to being the same. Um, was Son of a Submariner still in there? I think it was, wasn't it? Or did they change that to something else? Is that a Kafka line? Yeah, son, you don't remember Son of a Submariner? Yeah. I, well, if it was a Kafka line, then I do. If not, then I don't. <laughs> it was a Kafka line. Okay. When See, he had other lines I liked better. I liked when he was in Figaro and he was like, Welcome to my barbecue, as he's burning down the guy's castle. I think his that was like his first line was Son of a Submariner, because you found him... Uh, they did change it. It was son of a sandworm is what they changed it to this time. That's weird. Which I guess makes more sense, you know, in the game. But uh, just the fact that they changed that, you know, that was one of the classic Woosley lines that they gave him when he first was attacking. He was first going to visit Figaro. And, you know, you're walking up yeah. there and he's getting all upset. He's got sand in his boots and stuff like that. Yeah. And they're getting away. <laughs> Yeah, he had a great intro. He did a good job introducing all the different characters in that game. I remember they also played down Setzer um, instead of him being, you know, somebody. This was the thing in the original SNES version. You know, he was somebody that was doing business with the Empire. Uh-huh. You know, he was he was rich because of them, and he just kind of threw caution to the wind and joining you all when he was, you know, he was making hand over fist with the Empire. The GBA version changed it to where he was, you know, business had been down lately because of the Empire for him. So he was like, oh, well, I'm kind of down on my luck, so I guess I'll join you. Instead of being like, oh, the Empire's made me a rich man, I'm going to, you know, just throw caution to the wind. No, he was like, well, they've kind of got things down. Business is slow, so I'll join you. So that was one of the things. They made him like less of a gambler. Yeah. And really just greedy for money. He was a businessman that was, you know, the stock market wasn't doing well because of the <laughs> empire. So, <sighs> But um, I guess kind of enough on story. We'll just kind of finish up with presentation. Um, and, you know, it's hard to really complain or compare the visuals. They were both NES games. What about the music? Uh, I know I'm more of a music fan, and that's kind of what brought my... Why don't you go first then, Mac? We've been going question. first. Mac, I'll what do you gladly go first. Yeah. I I think Final Fantasy IV's soundtrack has some memorable things on there. It's some of Uematsu's classic pieces, but most of them were just really simple. 
you know, they were, they're memorable, but simple uh, tracks on there. I know like, you know, the airship theme, uh, you know, when Sid's going around working on the airship, um, you know, Galbez's theme, when he makes his entrance, you can always like, oh, wow, it's kind of cool and laid back and evil and mysterious and stuff like that. And the, the dungeon themes are kind of cool, but none of them are really what you'd call, you know, they're, they're memorable, but they're not outstanding. Final Fantasy VI, I think, has some fantastic music. I absolutely love it. Uh, Dancing Mad is probably the best ending theme, or best final boss theme of any of the Final Fantasy games, if not any RPG ever. Have you heard a live Discuss. versions of it? Uh, I believe so. I think I've got uh, at least a... Um, let me see what I'll do have. I don't know if I have Dancing Mad or not. Um, because I really I the, like Dancing um, Mad too, but they didn't start orchestrating it until kind of recent years, and for whatever reason, I haven't bought those versions oh. of those soundtracks, so I've never I don't heard know. It I think the uh, the Black Mages version is what I have. I don't know if I've heard any of the other ones or an orchestrated version of it. Now they've done Kefka's theme. They did like a piano version of uh, his theme, uh, which is you know kind of cool. And I think they've. I can't remember if they've done an orchestrated version of that. I don't have a lot of orchestral stuff. It's on Grand Finale. They do have a orchestrated version because I have that. Okay. okay. But uh, I like the uh, the Black Mages theme. It was pretty cool. I'm gonna have to listen. I'm gonna start listening to this music as soon as this cast is over. So. <laughs> I love Dancing Mad. I think I think it's fantastic. And just a lot of the other background music, like the World of Ruins background music, I thought, or Overworld background music was great. Both of them are. Just one. Because the World of Ruin has first the really melancholy piece, and then it becomes hopeful later on. Uh, I like I like the melancholy stuff, and I'm, I guess I am drawing a stupid blank there. I can't remember which one's which. I listen to so many of them outside of the game that I can't always remember which overworld theme goes where. But uh, It's the one titled Catastrophe on the soundtrack I love. And, you know, I just think it's, you know, it's a great soundtrack. I don't I don't think the soundtrack overall is, you know, my favorite, but it's definitely one that I really enjoy. Final Fantasy VI so. is probably my favorite video game soundtrack, right up there with Persona 3, I would say. I really liked how every... I mean, Umatsu killed himself making this, but I, I liked how every character had his own theme, yeah. every talent had his own theme, every dungeon had its own theme, and everything fit so perfectly. Like, I can't remember how it goes anymore, but like in Jador, when you're in the, the arts, the art guy's house, like, I just really liked the music there, and it was all so distinct. You know, the Magitech mm-hmm. research facility sounded like... Like machinery, know, and, yeah. Yeah, and the, the arts guy's house, it sounded like kind of a, you know, colonial... You know, on a on one of the small pianos. I mean, it sounded like music that kind of fit the setting. And I, I just this is one of my favorite video game soundtracks because of that. I don't mm-hmm. own the full OST for the video game. The only disc oh. I actually own. Back in the good old Napster days, I downloaded a lot of it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, since then, Pirate. my computer's crashed. I don't have I don't have it anymore. Well, okay, see, Opera House music. Huh? The, the Opera House music. The day after. Aria de Mezzo Carateri. I don't yeah. know if that's how it's pronounced, but that's so another I have great one. The orchestrated CD. I have Grand Finale, which mm-hmm. is good. Uh, I I agree with the people who think that it wasn't orchestrated in the best way it could have been. I think some of the music was made weaker, but I do have right. that soundtrack. 
And I would say next to Final Fantasy VI, Final Fantasy IV would be my second or third Uematsu soundtrack, or third favorite Uematsu soundtrack. And I have the piano collections for that. And yeah, I, I really like the music in Final Fantasy IV a lot too. Just because of what memorable, you said, Matt. It? Huh? Mm-hmm. It's I like how short. Yeah, I, li- I like how it's it's all very pretty. It's easy to listen to. It's something that when they've, I know we've talked in the forums a bit about it recently, but when they talk about MIDI soundtrack versus the orchestrated soundtracks of today, I I did like four for how simple it was, and I like the way that the the SNES sound chip made people construct fairly simple music. I think was a good thing for video games. It kind of let mm-hmm. you play the game with this simple, pretty music in the background. And it makes it kind of hard to compare more recent ones, where they, it becomes too busy sometimes. You know, when you watch a movie, you don't have loud, in-your-face, busy music all the time. And I think that RPGs mess up and do that a lot, where the music is just too in-your-face. And I wish you would step back a step. So I, I really like music in 4 and 6 a lot. I would say 6 is my favorite video game soundtrack ever. Well, you said that four would probably be your second or third. What was the other one, just out of my curiosity? I, of, of Uematsu's, I think yeah. uh, seven and four I would put side by side. Probably okay. four is better. I've certainly listened to a lot more of fours than sevens. Okay. I'm a big fan of sevens, too. That's one of the only aspects of the game I really like. <laughs> but I love the music <laughs> on <laughs> I do love the music on sevens. Wait, so, so you like Dancing Mad over One Winged Angel? You like uh, Dancing Mad more than One Winged Angel? Mm, that, that is a tough one. I think Dancing Mad was, it was, it felt like it was more diverse to me, you know, because you've got, yeah. uh, you've got so many different aspects of it, you know, from the beginning, I don't know really how to describe the music well, but it, I just thought it was a little more diverse. I, I like One Winged Angel too. Um, one Wing yeah. Angle orchestrated is awesome. I've heard that played yes. live by an orchestra, and it was very, very awesome. Like, sent chills down your spine. It had a choir. Yeah. It has to have the what choir. It has to have the oh, choir yeah. with it, too. Oh, it does. Mm-hmm. It's good. Um, but Final Fantasy VI, also the ending theme, is one of the... It's probably the longest uh, video game. Yeah, as <laughs> I pull up yeah. I pull up iTunes, and I've I'm got my Final Fantasy right playlist... It's 21 minutes, 36 seconds. Yes, and the next longest one is Dancing Mad, (laughs) which is 17 minutes and 40 seconds. And then Final Fantasy VIII's ending theme is next. Liberty Fatality, something like that? How long is the the opera? This one's kind of of the, the medley of all of the stuff in that. But the aria, I don't know if the soundtrack on it is... I remember that being very long. Yeah, I don't think the soundtrack gives it the full length, because mm-hmm. I think it's... Well, the opera scene, I think if you do OST, it's pretty short, but later yeah. when they orchestrated it and add voices, it was very beautiful and very long. Yeah, oh, yeah, I, there's I, one... I was thinking it's like over 15 in, uh, or something. It, the, distance wor- the Distant Worlds uh, music concert that they did, that they released a CD for, is great, and they've got the opera in there, voice acting, you know, they've got acting in there with the voices, I mean, they've got all of the characters from that opera in there, and it's just like a real opera, and it's it really is good. So I'd recommend the Distant World soundtrack to anybody. Um, so, yeah, that's the music. What about you, Jonathan? I know you're not a big music buff, as you told us at the very beginning. What are your thoughts on it? Uh, The two of them. I really honestly can't think of any songs from Final Fantasy IV off the top of my head, but when I close my eyes, I can still hear things <laughs> like... I can still hear things like... Uh, 
Shadows theme. It uh, had that kind of guitar-y sound to it. And, and then, like, the little flute sound. Yeah, exactly like that. Or uh, or when you're on the Velt, you know, the where you... I got to whistle. <laughs> I can't whistle, so... Don't look at me. Yeah. But uh, on yeah. the Velt, the specific mu- music that's on the Velt, and that's saying something. When I haven't played the game in such a long time, the music was impressionable enough that I can remember it. In, you know, mm-hmm. distinctly, and you know, and it it's very much tied into memory. So, I mean, it's mm, eh, it may not be the my favorite music of any game ever, but it's definitely it some of my most memorable. What is your favorite? Mm-hmm. Uh, completely non-RPG. Well, my favorite's probably tied between the. Uh, uh, Please don't say something like ridiculous, like a no. turbo, like a. Turbo Duo oh, game no, no, no. that never came out in America. No, uh, I really like the Crystal Chronicles music. I really like the Crystal Chronos- Chronicles music a whole bunch. Uh, and that's not Uematsu, but I still like it a lot. And I, I love uh, Jet Set Radio music. Yeah, it's okay not to like Uematsu. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, it you're, is. You're, you're well, an mostly, evil person, but it's okay too. Well, mostly I like the uh, Crystal Chronicles because of the the instrument selection that she she picks out. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a lot more uh, traditional and folk instruments. You mean like the first Chris Chronicles? Yeah, the, the first. Yeah, the yeah, first that Chris did, Chronicles. That did have really good music. Yeah, that was the same lady that did uh, Mario RPG, mm-hmm. right? And I mean, like, I, I assume that whenever I don't know, I haven't looked up, but I'm assuming probably the next Chris Chronicles she'll be doing it too, and it'll probably be more of a you know a full orchestrated sort of endeavor. I mean, the the I haven't listened to them, but I, I can't imagine that the soundtracks for the uh uh. For the DS games, they're like high fidelity or anything. I mean, um, they're DS soundtrack, so. No, it wasn't the same person that did Mario RPG. That is Shimomura. Shimomura. Yeah, the Kingdom Hearts, Final Fantasy yeah. versus Crystal, 13. Crystal Chronicles is, uh, is her name Yumi Tanioka? Tanioka, I think her last name. Am I just taking every woman composer and acting like it's one person? I think so. Yeah. But yes, they are both you women. Misogynist. Like, whatever. You think all those candidates are women. I know. That's, that's... <laughs> they're both, yeah, I was about to say they're both probably left-handed too, aren't they, Glenn? <laughs> yeah, it's Yumi Tan- Tanioka. I can't pronounce Japanese names. I can barely pronounce English names. I don't know what it is. I just can't do it. Um, But yeah, I like that. What about, uh, before I jump to Mike, that was the one thing I was going to say about Final Fantasy VI's ending theme that I really loved, is it was a medley of all of the characters' themes. Mm-hmm. You know, like Jonathan said, they all had their own themes, and or Glenn said, somebody said it, they yeah. all have their own themes. And, and whenever you know, there's the a scene they, with them, they pop on. Yeah, and that's the way the ending played out. You mm-hmm. know, you saw what happened to each character, and that section of it is fantastic. I love where it goes from realm to shadow. That is probably oh I love that part so much I think oh I can't wait to end this so I can actually start listening to some music now. Sorry, I'm just sound like Saddam Hussein in the South Park movie. You're like it gets me so hot. <laughs> <laughs> it it does. It like moves me to tears. I'm so uh, sensitive. Oh, you know me. Put okay. Put to bed and listen to some Final Fantasy soundtrack tonight. Lights and candles. It drives my wife nuts that I love Final Fantasy music as much as I do, and just video game music in general. It's I'm not just limited to the Final Fantasy and Uematsu and stuff like that, but a romantic actually, night. A romantic night with your wife. Light some candles. <laughs> no, I can't say. I've Play ever some one angel, one angel, one angel in the dancing background. Hat, sweetie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we prefer 
transitions from Realm to Shadows theme. Oh, it's so good there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good I wouldn't even need her, you know. Who needs my wife at that point? Me and me and that uh, section of the piece can really get along well together by ourselves. No, I got her some uh, piano music. I found some sheet music online and have made her play it. She's been playing piano for like 18 years, so hmm. I make her sit and play the piano I chain her me. to the piano and say, make my music sing. <laughs> well, she thinks I'm stupid because I like all this music. She's like, why don't you listen to real music? And I'm like, this is real music. And I got her to play some of the pieces, and she's like, you know, some of these aren't actually that bad. I'm like, yeah, because they're awesome. Is she left-handed, Mac? <laughs> no, but she's still a woman. Oh. I know that much. What What about you, Mike? Uh, what do okay. you think about the music? <laughs> Let me preface by saying that I... Counting my iTunes library at the moment, I probably have at least 3,000 songs from video games on here. Mm. Probably. Not. And... I think nothing wrong with that? Yeah, it's quite a variety. Um, if I had to rank them, six would go above four, but... I really, really like the the Celtic Moon version of a uh, Trojan Beauty from oh. Four. Yeah, that one's really pretty. And from Six, I can come up with a whole lot of stuff. But I think the Last Dungeons theme is just really, really good for getting you psyched up to actually be in the final dungeon of the game. It just lends that grandeur that you expect from the showdown with Kepka. I think. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those are both good things. And I'm looking at my iTunes library, and I have over 3,000 songs from video game soundtracks as well. So both of us qualify, I guess, as nerds when it comes to video (laughs) game music. Um, What about other stuff that's, uh, you know, Uematsu's done? I know this is is for Glenn, since you're not really going to be around. I'm going to give you a chance to bash him a little bit. How do you think he's progressed since 4 and 6, you know? You you enjoy we all really seem to enjoy four and six as soundtracks for what they are. What else have you heard from him since then that you do and do not like? And this question is directed straight to Glenn. Because you know what the just to start with. I know so, what his answer is. And I want to hear it. I think oh, that somebody did we hold on. Who's gone? Uh, Jonathan. No, Jooms. Jonathan, you there? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. Oh, Mike's me. Gone? Yeah, Mike's gone. Mike? Mike? Oh, what happened to Mike? I guess he really did. Somebody did break in. He hurt his him. feelings by directing a question right at me. Maybe he really loves Uematsu. He's like, I can't listen to this. And he signed off. Oh. Uh, well, while we're waiting on Mike to come back, and I guess Jonathan's going to have to add him because he's the host of this call this time. Okay. I'll, <sighs> um, wait, I'll answer your question while we wait for him to re Yeah. Give it to me. Give me the so breakdown. I think, I think Uematsu peaked at six and either burnt out or was never that good to begin with after six. I think that six is his apex, the best he's ever done. Not enough for me to own the OST, but you know, still really, really good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, and you like favorite, you like seven though. Yeah, favorite music in game would be six. So that was well, that was his peak. He didn't, you know, just fall off a cliff. Seven was a, a big step down, and I would say, you know, four right up there. So four was extremely good. Six is my favorite video game music to play, to listen to in game, okay. and then so seven stepped up from that. 
And then what do you think it, he's done that's been bad? I want to hear that. Oh, that's been bad. I never yeah. said he was bad. I said he was below average. Like compared below to average. when you listen to composers, when you listen to sing, you know, there are lots of people who compose music out there in the real world. Like John I think Phillips Umatsu either. is below a three out of five. He's below average. He gets like a two point five out of five or two out of five. Wow, really? He, yeah. Just overall, yeah. he's that bad. I mean, I'm not saying he's the greatest composer ever, but to say he's a two and a half out of five. Yeah, so I, I don't. I don't. I played. Okay, so I played. I played eight and was warned that I probably wouldn't like it. So I went into it with low expectations. But one of the things I was told that was great about it was the story, which was trash, and I've ranted about mm-hmm. that plenty elsewhere. Yeah. But I was also told the music was excellent, and I was very disappointed by the music. What you said about seven earlier—that the only thing you liked about seven was the song "One Winged Angel." The only thing I liked about eight was—I'm going to butcher—it but it was something like "Liberty uh, Fatale," whatever the ending. Boss yeah, music. Liberty yeah. Fatale. The boss music. Okay, was Liberty Fatale. That was the only thing I liked about eight. I really liked that ending theme. For me, well, that's the last thing Umatsu did that was worth listening to. Everything since I like then. More... Everything since then sucks. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I, liked, I didn't. I'll... Just I to didn't clarify, like the... I liked more than One Winged Angel. So I like okay. the whole Final Fantasy VII soundtrack. So um, I liked. That was the only thing about 8 I liked. I thought the rest of his music was disappointing. The music in 9 is okay. I do have some Final Fantasy 9 music on, like, various compilations, soundtrack CDs for Final Fantasy works. And 9 is okay, but Mm -hmm. I played through 9 twice, and, you know, I can't remember a single song from it. If I didn't have the soundtrack, when when Final Fantasy 9 tunes come up on the soundtrack I listen to, I usually have to look them up. I can't remember what game it's from. I don't recognize the song. I just, I didn't think it was that great. And, I mean, what has he done since 9? He It wasn't like, I wrote three uh, songs for Final Fantasy twelve. He did Blue Dragon he, and Lost Odyssey. Yeah, he did uh, He did a good chunk on Final Fantasy X. Um, he didn't do all of it. It was split between two uh, him and two other composers. But didn't he, but he do, did do like, some good the, stuff for ten. I thought he did the bad stuff for ten. It was oh, no. I, when I, list, when no, I played, no. I don't know the soundtrack for it. When I played ten, I didn't know who composed what. But, he mean, did what Orin's I... theme, which I love, at Xenarkin, which I love. Uh, at Xenarkin does uh, get played a lot. Yeah, Seymour's theme, uh, Overworld, uh, Otherworld was his, you know, creation. But And the ending theme, ending theme there. He does ending themes really well, I think. Um, that's well, something makes it easy. But that was kind of the crazy thing, was for Final Fantasy VI, he composed like you know, 40 different themes. Like I said, every town, every dungeon, every character, and not just, you know, the good guys, the bad guys, too. Everything had its own theme, and I just, I loved all of it. And now he gets free range to compose whatever the heck he wants using a PS2 sound chip, could use an orchestra if he wanted to, and he only writes five songs for a game, and he gets a year to do it. And you expect something, you know, this is the guy that could compose 30 dinky middies for the Super Nintendo 10 years ago. You know, now when you give him a chance to write five grand songs, it you know I just feel like there should be some comparison where it's at least very good, and I don't I don't think he's very good. Well, see, and, uh, that's we, the thing. Hmm? Uh, welcome back, Mike. I think you're back now. Um, yes, I am back. We can thank my stupid internet. <laughs> thank you, stupid um, internet. The one thing I can say about Umatsu, and I think that's you know good about him, is you know when he has a soundtrack where he does a lot of stuff on it. You're right. Not everything on there is going to be golden. So when he has less to do on a soundtrack, there's less of a chance of having great stuff. 
But the fact when he does do a lot of soundtrack or does do a lot of songs on a soundtrack, you'll find a lot in there that aren't the big name pieces that really stand out. You know, I don't know. There's that's just what I think about him. I like a lot of the stuff that's kind of off the beaten path too. That's not like everybody knows this this track. Everybody thinks this track's great. There's I don't do a lot of you know I don't get into the music like you do. I don't memorize the composers' names that well. But if I were probably to look up games I've played over the last decade and kind of like rank the ones whose music I like the best. Uh, Uematsu probably wouldn't be in the top five composers, much less the top five games. I mean, on the top of my head, I mean, Sakimoto is probably my favorite video game composer right now, but the guy that... Is it a guy or a girl? The human that did The World Ends With You. I thought it... <laughs> it's a guy. Okay, yeah, it's a guy. It's a guy. It's, uh, I mean, I love Persona 3, Persona 4, and Shin Megami Tensei games in general, I think have great soundtracks, so whoever does that. So, I mean, I... I I mean, yeah. put the, and even um, like like Jonathan said, like Crystal Chronicles had great music too. I just a lot of the Uematsu feel I get nowadays is new composers rearranging stuff he wrote a long time ago because nothing he's done lately has been worth rearranging. So in uh, Chocobo's Dungeon for the Wii that I played last summer, there were a lot of recomposed pieces from Uematsu's. So when you listen to them, you think, "Oh, Uematsu made this; it's so good." Well, no, Uematsu made the source material, and some arranger made this. I just I can't think of anything he's made recently that I want to listen to, and um, mm. Blue Dragon. I mean, as you know, I feel. I mean, Blue Dragon felt <laughs> yeah. like a rehashed version of Final Fantasy IV and Final Fantasy VI music, which was very nostalgic, and I'm sure he did it on purpose and nice while playing it. But it's not something I'm going to rave yeah. about because it feels like like I, like the factory music sounded a lot like the Magitech Research Facility from Six. And there's there were yeah. a lot of little moments like that where I felt like I'd heard the song before in an earlier Uematsu game. And again, I'm sure, it purpose, I'm sure you did it on purpose for nostalgia, but I'm not going to praise you for sounding like you're rearranging stuff you wrote in the 90s, because other people have been doing that too. Well, I want to give other people a chance to say something, but I want to add one thing is, you know, I'm <laughs> that's one thing I found funny is on Final Fantasy XII's soundtrack, one of the only pieces that I really liked, I'm not a huge Sakamoto fan. I just, you know, I think he's good, but his style of music... It reminds me a lot of John Williams. I'm not a big John Williams fan right, either. Goes, they have. Or- I said that I, I don't want the music to be in your face. That, that, that's yeah. kind of my preference. That Sakimoto makes pretty orchestral music that sits there and complements the game, whereas yeah. Uematsu tends to be smacking you all game. Yeah, I, I like the fact that one of my favorite pieces from the Final Fantasy XII soundtrack is Battle on the Big Bridge, which, you know, of course, Uematsu composed, but. You know, Sakamoto rearranged for that one. But uh, I know, Jonathan, I've, I've kind of hit you up. I don't want to bother you too much with music and this stuff unless you have some strong opinion you want to just butt in and say as far as talking about, you know, Uematsu and how he's progressed since these. And Not really. To turn into as, as you guys cast. know that no listeners probably know, I don't even listen to music anymore. So, yeah. Okay. Well, I just wanted to give you a chance. What about you, Mike? Give us a shot now that you're back. What are you? you what are your thoughts on Uematsu? Yeah, you, Do don't, you... you don't want me to tell you about Uematsu post six because the only game I've played post six is nine, which is sort of a blend of all the music from earlier games. I understand. Not that that's a bad thing, but it just is. Yeah, it's not really a blend, but um, it's definitely unique. It's either a love it or hate it kind of soundtrack. I think some so people Mike, think it's then... one of his best. Mike, you would say then that based off one game, there was definitely a big drop-off for Uematsu. 
Yeah, well, not, I not like, spin. like large ports of nine. However, I have not played seven, eight, ten, or uh, how much did he do of eleven? I'm not sure it even matters. He did a few things in eleven too, and that's some of the best stuff from eleven. Is what you know the stuff he composed. Um, now based on the heyday we're talking about, I happen to. Oh gosh. I'm not sure where I would rank him among my composers because I actually do remember a lot of composers' names, which says a lot about me, I guess. I'd probably put Motoi Sakuraba <laughs> and Yoko Shimomura and... What else do I have on here? Sakimoto, Sakimoto. Well, the only Sakimoto <laughs> stuff I really remember is from Treasure Hunter G, which you haven't played because it never came out in English. But he was really, really good in Treasure Hunter G, so... Take yeah, well. definitely top five. <laughs> um, While you're thinking and looking those up, uh, I'm a big uh, Yasunori Mitsuda fan, and I think I would rank him above Uematsu on my list. But Uematsu is probably a very, very strong close second. And what about I like the dude um, that did the world ends with you. Uh, yes, he's he's not done enough to be like my favorite ever, but um, didn't I he really also do Crisis Core? Is that yeah, the same guy? he did. Uh, he you did. Love Crisis the music Core. in Crisis Core. I do. And just going on two soundtracks, it's hard to make him one of my favorites ever. But I'm I'm really, really looking forward to what else he does. He's doing a Final Fantasy Agijito 13, so I'm looking forward to what he does with that. Uh, Shoji uh, Maguro that did the Persona. You know, I've only really heard his stuff in Persona 3 and 4, but I really like what he did there, too. So Yeah, much better than him, too. Okay. I'll let you go, go back I happen to really, really like the music in the Castlevania games, and Michiru Yamane has been doing that in recent years, so I'm going to have yes, to rank him pretty high. That is someone else there in Uematsu. Good point. Um, and I also really dig Yuzo Koshiro, although he doesn't do exclusively RPGs. My Some of my favorite soundtracks ever are the Streets of Rage soundtracks. What's um, the guy that does Zelda? Is his last name Kondo? Koji Kondo. There we go. Okay. Mm-hmm. I put him above Uematsu. I really like the Zelda soundtracks. I think Ocarina's Time would also be one of my favorite soundtracks from a game. Okay. Yeah, well, I'll we've kind of gone off track I'll completely. Just, well, yeah, you Uematsu did on purpose. It's really good. I know, but, but we're, are no, others we're are better. Really what was that, Mike? Uematsu is good, others are better. How's that? Yes, no, that's kind of my stance. There are a lot of good composers out there. I just don't think he's one of the great ones anymore. He may have been in the early 90s, but in the last decade, no. Yeah, I mean, he's not done enough in the last decade to really be outstanding, but he's still done enough to still be there, I think. But, all right, enough on the music. Anything else you all want to touch on as far as Final Fantasy? Well, if we're closing out go. our Final Fantasy discussions, where would you put 4 and 6 about uh, across all the Final Fantasies? Where would you put them? See, that's too hard of a question. There, there's so many that you have to compare. Oh, no. Which you, know, you don't have to be like, it's my fourth favorite Final Fantasy. All right, here's the thing. Final Fantasy IV, I love. It's just, I enjoy the fact about it that it's, you know, my first. I do like it because of nostalgia. I realize that it's nostalgia, and that's what makes me really enjoy that one. And I was hoping for a lot more out of the remake, but I still enjoy the remake. Uh, and, you know, I probably play it again sometime in the future. Um, Six is great. I just have a hard time playing once I get through the rest of the... or Once I get into the World of Ruin, I have a hard time continuing 
and I played both of them so much as a kid that it was just like, oh, I can't do it too much anymore. Um, what about you, John? Uh, I would say six is probably among the best. And four is the lower end of the top five. But I'm not a big fan of the of the first couple games, and I'm not a big fan of a lot of the recent games, so it's not surprising if, you know, even if it's number three, it's not saying that it's way up on high on the list for me. The only game Final Fantasy games I've enjoyed of later, maybe what I've played of 12 and maybe 9, I didn't enjoy much of the other ones. Mike, of the seven you've played, where would you put those two? Uh, I would put six at the top, and four... Four, I'm waffling around, because I really liked five, and I might, depending on the day you ask me, I'd rank four around five's position and switch them between each other based on what I'm looking for that day. I don't know. Well, it's good to hear that all of us like Final Fantasy VI more than Final Fantasy IV. People who like Final Fantasy IV more are clearly insane. I'm going to go ahead and say that I would like Final Fantasy IV more. No, you lie, you lie. I'll be clearly insane. And also up there in my top would be Final Fantasy X and twelve, if that tells you anything about me as a person. Um, and six would be up there with those. I think six would probably come in at a clo- uh, somewhere around the third place, along with twelve. I have a bounce back and forth with those depending on the day. And I guess nine would kind of be underneath it. Titus is such Final an Fantasy annoying six. character, though. Who? Titus. Yeah. I would put six in the top, possibly number one, and I mm-hmm. probably would put Final Fantasy four near the bottom of the Final Fantasies, but that's just because so many of them are so good. Final Fantasy four was my favorite Final Fantasy for a while, but I've played it so much, I think I just kind of got myself a little tired of it, and now I'd put it near the... If I was going to replay a Final Fantasy, there are a lot of them I'd rather replay than Final Fantasy four right now. Uh- yeah, Final Fantasy VIII especially. I know you love that one. Yeah. <laughs> just, just this, the ending theme. I, I only would uh, <laughs> grate my teeth and suffer through that abomination just to get to the very end and then, you know, listen to the end play. Or I could put in the CD I have and save myself 30 hours of suffering. There you go. <laughs> but Okay, before we end this, I should tell a quick story because I actually did play Final Fantasy IV for a little while, back in, I'm going to say it was 93, when mm. a friend, we switched our systems, he got my Genesis, I got a Super Nintendo, and I tried it for a while, but I had no idea how to play an RPG when I was a kid, and I remember very strictly following what the instruction manual told me in its guide at the end, and I didn't clearly understand how to save, obviously, or else mm. when, when Mylon does the back attack on you, I thought, huh, I pressed the save button, it must have happened. But, no, save blacked <laughs> out. So I got my ass kicked, and um, at that point, I more or less decided, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to put this down. And Aww. I didn't play it again for another uh, seven, eight years. Well, another another quick story for me, along with naming Kane Debbie when I was playing it for the first time ever, I didn't understand the whole concept at the beginning of, you know, rows and which row, front row, back row, because, you know, you only had three characters for the longest time. And until you get the fourth character, you know, I had no idea that you were supposed to put them in the back row or anything like that. I was doing a lot of stupid stuff then. So, you know, I was going up against the antlion with... You know, Cecil, Cecil, 
Rydia and Edward all in the front row, and I was like, man, this is kind of challenging. <laughs> so, uh, no wonder I don't I lost. think, even in the easy Super Nintendo version, I don't think I ever had Edward survive an antlion fight. Yeah. Or if he did, it was only because he auto-hit the entire time, and the ant- antlion never happened to hit him. That's very understandable. <sighs> Alright, guys. Jonathan, do you have any other cool stories you want to add? Uh, not really. We have been recording, right? Because that would be really bad if we went through all this. And... Re- recording? What's that? Uh, I don't know what this is. <laughs> Speaking of all the stupid things we had done, we were just making sure you weren't as dumb as us. Yeah, I actually You're leave dumb it... dumb enough to think he's recording and then not. <laughs> it's, it's actually the only thing I have open whenever we record. So I, I if it were to stop for any reason, I would notice it. Because it's constantly That's... scrolling across the screen, so... That's cool. Well, um, with that, that ends our segment on Final Fantasy for now. Uh, we may touch some of the others later. No plans to anytime soon. Kind of like Square Enix, not having any plans to remake Final Fantasy VII anytime soon. We have no plans to do a backtrack on it anytime soon. But I guess we will say goodbye to Glenn until I drag him back on here again, which, you know, Never. He, says he's, he says he's leaving us. Yeah, I, I'm going to call his bluff on that. <sighs> So we'll see when that happens. He, you should he bet probably will it with me. <laughs> no, I'm yeah, not. Yeah, you have to right, Glenn. <laughs> I, I believe you're not going to be on the next one. I believe you when you say that. But I'm going to get you back somehow. I need you as a consultant on here. So that's my job. I think my billing rate is a uh, hundred and fifty an hour. <laughs> Bill it to Michael. <laughs> <laughs> not this Michael either. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, guys, thank you for coming on. Thank you, Jonathan, for recording us. Mike, for uh, providing us with some good insight and history lesson on who Adlai Stevenson is. And, you know, we didn't have any submarine discussion. I've never heard that rumor before. I probably had, but my history knowledge is so pathetic. I didn't even know who Adlai Stevenson was. So it didn't really help. You know, if I'd heard the rumor, I would have ignored it anyways because I don't even know who Ike Ike Eisenhower is. (laughs) Who is that? I like Ike. And uh, thank you, Glenn, for being with us for all but, uh, I believe, one of these casts. Anytime. uh, Wait, no, not anytime. Never again. (laughs) See? See? There you said. He's going back on his word again. But, uh,. Thank you all, and thank you for listening, and hopefully we've entertained you. Check us out on the board. Uh, we'll have some discussion there. You can send us an email at backtrack at rpgamer.com. I actually checked the email box for that last week and had 3,000 messages in it. And for some reason, apparently our spam filter broke and unleashed every spam ever since that you know folder had been, or ever since that email address had been created. So I had nothing but spam in that. Something happened, that, but, uh, something happened like that to me. I had 181. So, I don't know. But it was it was 3,000. <laughs> I was like, there's no way. <laughs> I went from having nothing the day before. <laughs> and, you know, we hadn't even had a cast recently. So, but uh hope you all enjoyed it. And we will see you next month with something new and exciting. Everybody say bye. Bye. Yeah. Game, over. Game over. Game over, man. Game over. Dang it, you said it before me. up on all you guys and actually go listen to some video game music. <laughs>